I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Liz on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers, Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And happy Monday as you listen to this. We're recording a little bit earlier this year, not this year, this week, uh, because Ben's off to South by uh, as of tomorrow morning. We're going to miss you around the office, but you're going to have some fun times in Austin. You guys will be fine. I'll miss you. <laughs> Steve will sit at my desk and all will be better. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot that I used to share. We, I used to share the office with Steve and it was just me and Steve. Um I've forgotten. This morning I was uh, remembering a time when I was reviewing a, an episode of Better Call Saul, and I just said out loud, out of nowhere, like, I'm learning a lot about sniper rifles. And he was like, that's a really great thing to hear from the person you share an office with. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be thrilled to hear it. Yeah, but I'd you're going to be gonna, you're on like a week or something crazy. Yeah, like six days. That's a lot. Yeah. Are you excited about anything you're going to see? Uh, yeah, I'm excited for Barry. I'm excited for The Last OG. Um, I'm excited for the independent episodic section, which is a first at South by this year, just like it was a first at Sundance and a first at Berlin and a first at Cannes. So that'll be something I talk about ad nauseum soon uh, that you can enjoy not reading because nobody wants to read about NDTV. But you should because it's fun. I um, used to cover it a lot. And yeah. I had much the same much the same reaction. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's it's fun. Um, so yeah, it, it'll be a it'll be a good festival. I'm uh, looking forward to learning if I am a black hat or white hat at the Westworld exhibition. Uh, Are they so doing the same one? If I'm that... your enemy or your friend, Liz, because oh. you claim to be a white hat. They just handed it to me, dude. Claim to be a white hat. Just handed it to me, dude. Mm-hmm. Did are you? Is it? Are they porting over the same experience from Comic Con? Oh no, it's entirely new. Oh, that's they built literally an entire town over like two acres of land outside of austin and they're like busing people to and from austin to go there and then you just kind of are let loose for two hours or three hours or something in the town that sounds like fun do shit so i may not come back maybe the hosts will revolt and kill me well we can always hope we can um but you sure certainly by now, uh, as you guys are listening to this, guy. a lot of what Ben is talking about has already been uh, posted about on IndieWire. I could be already dead. You could be already dead. Um, who Not knows? Not by Liz's hand. Yeah, I know. That really, In theory. That is annoying. She knows HBO people. She could have just staged this whole thing. It's an elaborate ruse. I'd be impressed. Yeah. Um, but beyond us, beyond South by, uh, you know, coverage continues on, and we're covering both uh, the new and the old, or the what feels like the old and is actually the new. Uh, which is to say, we're going to talk a little bit about nostalgia today, just because I've been, as you may have been aware, I don't know if you've heard, The X-Files is back uh, for what might be its very last run of episodes ever. I'm sorry, what show? The X-Files. They're like files, but with an X on them. Oh, so it's like uh, like files on your former romantic partners, your X-Files. Like no, they, no, it's you just broke the letter X. There's a lot of relationship stuff, though, like... Oh, yeah, so much relationship stuff. It's basically just, like, pure pornography. Oh, wow. Well, that's yeah. right up your alley. I know, right? That's why I'm such a huge fan of it and have been for so many years. Yeah, it's all coming together. It's I all coming together. vaguely you talking about watching this as a kid, so that seems My parents were very, as we've discussed on this show, my parents were pretty permissive. I guess. <laughs> Perhaps a little too much. But I feel like what what's interesting about covering The X-Files and covering a lot of different shows these days is kind of the placement of nostalgia within that like you know essentially 
how much do we let or how much should we let and how much do we end up letting inadvertently because we can't help it um our fondness or lack thereof for previous things to infiltrate our appreciation of the new versions this is something we're dealing with a lot in recap culture not recap sorry revival culture um and you know it's something we're going to hit in who knows when but there's that new season of arrested development coming out soon and there we're going to have like our nostalgia for the original three seasons which were you know some of god's perfect television arguably and then uh we've had the fourth season which many people do not look back on fondly but uh it still definitely benefited from the nostalgia from the first three seasons and now we're gonna have this new thing and who knows what that new thing will be yeah i wonder when something turns into nostalgia like at what point can you feel nostalgia for something like that that arrest development season seems too soon yeah. to feel nostalgia for that i agree with you did say that obviously you, you said that it was affected by the nostalgia from the first which is obviously true um but i am now wondering not enough to talk about it because that's stupid but um but yeah there will be a lot cbs just how many fucking revivals did they order they were uh, Laverne and Shirley. Laverne and Shirley. Murphy Brown. Murphy Brown. Oh, man, that's going to be a huge one. They ordered like four. Yeah. In addition to what they've already got. <laughs> it's a lot. I mean, for you, Ben, is there anything you feel like, you know, any, anything currently airing or recently airing that you feel like, you know, was affected by your nostalgia for an actor, for, a per, for, a per, you know, for an actor, for a show? Oh, I'm I undoubtedly so. I mean, even the X-Files. I, I, I'm... Not as as pure and true a mega fan as as you, dear Liz, but uh, I do have a soft spot in my heart for Agents Mulder and Scully. Um, they solve weird crime together. They really do, and sometimes they do it really well. I I enjoyed the sushi episode. It was. <laughs> I like that you call it the sushi episode. I mean, it was ludicrous, and the ending <laughs> is still like I'm not fucking tipping electronic waiters. I don't give a shit. <laughs> what, ben, the, what they I, were trying to learn from that experience but if westworld doesn't murder you or if i don't murder you you're going to be murdered by a sushi robot now see i would tip the westworld robots you would tip the westworld robots yeah they're pretty much real people i'm not gonna tip <laughs> wait a sushi restaurant that is literal machines so your definition of of who you will tip aka who you acknowledge as a real person is yes. totally based on 100%. whether or not they're completely anthropomorphized yes this is amazing Let's Absolutely. just make the whole podcast about this. I mean, it's it's it just it's what I've been taught. Like I I I mean, go back to to Blade Runner. Like you know, you, you, well, no, that's spoiler. I don't want to talk about that. Um, but there, there's there that you just blew the end of that X Files episode. But well, then again, it's it was. I actually I remember it was like obvious. I was chanting to myself. Please let the uh, like during like midway through episode like please let let it just be that he needs to tip the sushi robot. Oh please yeah. Please let it no, just be he has needs to tip the sushi robot. I was so happy that that it was all it was. I knew like as soon as he was locked out of the the building, like as soon as that whole thing happened, I was like, that's what the whole episode's about, and that's stupid, but I love it. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm into this. Um, but yeah, so you're affected by the assholes. I'm curious. Like, let me. This is something that just came to mind. Ben McKenzie on Gotham. Ben McKenzie on Gotham. He's great though. Like I. I I think it's a. I think my interest is affected by the fact that I love the OC and will always feel nostalgia for the OC, even right. though I definitely don't want it to come back. Um, but he's very, very good, Gotham. Yeah, he's so. go, and he's playing a very different character. Yeah, Maybe but he still sometimes he still t- sometimes punches dudes. It's ah, great. <laughs> nostalgia for punching people. Actually, here's the one that came to mind as we were as we were, as I was talking. Great. 
for you, how do you feel you would your appreciation of episodes would be different if the show episodes on Showtime would be different if you were not arguably a, a me, the one of the biggest mega fans of, of of Friends out there? Yeah, that's a very complicated question because so much of episodes identity isn't tied into Friends nostalgia necessarily, but it is definitely tied into your awareness of the show Friends and kind of Matt LeBlanc's uh, reputation both within the show when he played Joey and outside of the show and kind of how he plays off of that. And that's kind of how you actually have to gauge his performance and so many kind of just technical aspects of the show itself. Um, I think my nostalgia for Friends certainly makes me more interested in those actors, uh, just like any kind of you know, lifelong favorite will give you some sort of attachment to those actors again and again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unless they do something terrible. Don't want to talk about that either. Um, but uh, that was me knocking on wood. Very good, very very good, very important. Um, but yeah, no, I mean it, that one's that one's especially complicated because I think it's it probably relies on the fact that you have nostalgia for friends to initially want to tune in and then you quickly realize the show isn't really just about Matt LeBlanc it's about the two writers and then you can appreciate just the meta narrative unto itself and the new creation that episodes is Mm -hmm. that's fair I actually have probably stronger nostalgia for Tamsin Grigg than I do uh, for uh, (laughs) the nostalgia that you have Liz is is all over the map like yours is you have affinity for a lot of actors where we get into this weird argument where all of a sudden a new show will be announced and it'll say, like, Brad Pitt is in a new HBO show. And I'll be like, holy shit, Brad Pitt's in this. And then you'll say the 16th name on the cast list, and that's who, like, puts you over the moon. And I'm like, who the fuck is that person? But you, you love him. I mean, look, Michael Vartan is a very popular actor who a lot of people like. I could say so many things right now, but I'm not not going to do it. You're not going to engage with this Michael Vartan argument. Michael Vartan was very respectable guest star on Rectify, and that's oh, all, and all that Mortel I have to say. Oh, and Bates Motel, too, I think. I was looking at his IMDb earlier. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, when, when I first broached the topic of talking, talking about nostalgia with you, your immediate reaction was uh, the, the South South Park and member berries. Member berries. So I feel like you, 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 if you want to remind people what member berries were. Oh, God. Yes, please. Member berries. Member berries are, honest to God, uh, a top 10 South Park creation. Like, um, they used it in, in one of their better. Oh, shit. Was it season 20? 19? 19. Maybe? Oh god! Somebody's gonna write in and just all right. I'll, kick I'll, I'll the look shit it up. I will look it up for you while you talk. But it was a it was an excellent season that was kind of uh, satirizing our extreme overindulgence in nostalgia using primarily Star Wars, the first the first Star Wars sequel, which was uh, you mean the Force Awakens? The Force Awakens. Uh, yeah, that is a very confusing statement. The first Star Wars sequel, sorry. Um, but yeah, The Force Awakens is like a jumping off point. Um, so <laughs> they basically, to to convey nostalgia and its uh, addictive drug-like qualities, they used member berries, which were basically purple grapes that were hanging on a vine. And as you held them in your hand, they'd talk to you and say things like, Remember Chewbacca? Uh, remember, remember Ewoks? Remember, oh, don't remember the Ewoks. Remember Jaja Binks? And like, 
whatever they said was was meant to drum up warm fuzzy feelings and then you'd eat the member berries and you'd be overwhelmed by this and you'd be so excited about all these things that they were talking about and they, they i mean they turned into their own little entities that drove around in cars like they did they did a lot of goofy <laughs> shit with the, i don't remember I the cars fucking love member berry. there there's a member berry behind me it's a ball but it's a member berry they sent us and i will keep it forever um one of the few swag items i will keep forever but no like the, it, it was such a i mean it was one of those brilliant things that South Park does so, so very well, where it's pointing out something very obvious, which we've all, at that point even, we'd all already talked about how dangerous this kind of nostalgia was. And the Star Wars reaction, uh, considering how much money that movie made, and also a lot of the positive reviews that were out there for it, and I'm certainly one who enjoyed it. Like, I thought it was was pretty good, but the complaints about it being a basic reconstruction of the original Star Wars, like using that as a template and just kind of doing it again uh those are very valid arguments and and saying that we're kind of just giving up and turning into a society that is just happy to consume art art quote unquote, um that is that is blatantly continuing something that already existed or just redoing something that already existed or remaking reviving whatever you want to call it anything that's playing off of so, an, an original idea that existed years and years and years ago and seemed to have been maximized already. Anything that's just kind of recirculating that again and again is dangerous as opposed to creating new art that actually that actually <laughs> revolves around new ideas that are based in the now, that are based in our present. So we're not just thinking about the past and happy to consider problems and and, and remember the best things of what happened in yesteryear, but actively engaging in cultural commentary that is relevant to today. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you can you can argue as much as you want that some of the revivals have done that, like they're, they're, that their relevancy is eternal. Um, but a lot of them are just there to make you have those warm and fuzzy feelings that you get from eating member berries. And that is, that's not good for us, especially as a culture that is just, especially an oversaturated entertainment culture when you don't have time to watch everything you want to watch anyway. Uh, it's it's dangerous to just keep <laughs> recirculating the same ideas over and over again and thinking that you're watching something new. Um, no, it's very well said. Uh, two points. One is that, uh, you know, it, it was the season 20 premiere. Damn. Um, also, well, the, here, here's my question for you, and I say this as someone who's watched some South Park, but not all of the South Park. Um, how much did South Park engage with the fact that, you know, it, it's it's a show that has always, has never lacked for innovation and never failed to try new things from time to time. But it is also a show that sometimes, that has had years where it's just kind of like Matt and Trey doing their thing and, you know, you know, kind of just delivering like the same thing that people want from South Park. Uh, did they engage much with that with that, that that concept that sometimes they have just kind of delivered South Park? No, because that's a different that's different than nostalgia. Mm-hmm. I don't think that South Park's ever been guilty of just regurgitating old ideas because like they don't bring back a lot of characters even that are simply there to do this. They've created so many characters uh, that serve specific purposes that sometimes they're able to call back to them, but I mean, I don't even remember the last time I saw Sexual Harassment Panda or 
uh, man bear pig, you know, like some of the things where it was like, that was about this moment in history. We're going to keep doing it. And they're very open about the fact that, you know, they're happy to just make a silly, stupid episode from time to time, which is never actually stupid. Like it's always kind of, it's always circulating around something that's happening in the now because of, especially because of how they make the show. Um, so no, I wouldn't say that they, I don't think they ever let themselves off the hook, but I don't think that they pointed the gun back at themselves and said, yeah, we do this too. They just were, I mean, they've been on for 21 years now. Like they're, they've had episodes where they talk about how all the ideas in the world have already been done by the Simpsons. So why, like, why are we even bothering? Like, what's the point? It's because, uh, you know, there's ways to progress those ideas and there's ways to use similar storylines and structures, but, you know, infuse them with uh, important commentary of today or, or, you know, new developments that are impacting our culture right now. So, like, I, I feel like they're always working towards advancing things instead of just relying on something in the past. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'd a, say. a good answer to that question. Um, I figured you'd have, I, you'd have some thoughts on it. And I'm not a... I love South Park. Yes. I, uh, someone once asked me if I was ever, like, if I could go back in time and, like, guilt-free have written something, anything, and be like, that's my proudest accomplishment of my life. What would it be? And I said South Park. And I often stand by that. I think there's probably other things like Mad Men and Leftovers, obviously. But um, South Park, considering how long it's been on, I just have so much respect for it. Um, and and it how is worth much having it respect for it on itself over and over again. Um, but I'm not. That's all to say I'm not an, an expert. I don't like. I wouldn't put my South Park knowledge on par with. Well, I wouldn't put any of the, any of my knowledge on par with Liz's X Files knowledge. Like your your X Files knowledge is beyond anything I've got. But uh, I wouldn't even put it on par with. Uh, I don't know. You. My leftovers. That much? I don't know. You, I feel like I feel like you friends, could compete. I, I feel like you could compete in an ex, in a leftovers trivia challenge pretty easily. Leftovers, yeah. Friends, yeah. yeah. And South friends Park is friends. Up. There's a lot of like that's uh, 22 episodes a season, and that's 10 se- nine seasons. Ten seasons. Ten seasons. Yeah, that's not that's not nothing. No, um, I, I. I'm ready. Like yeah. if you need you guys need somebody for your friends <laughs> challenge, call me up. I will say for the record, I once competed in an X. If I've never mentioned this podcast before, I once competed in an X Files trivia challenge at a bar, and uh, it was two years ago. I stacked my team of, team with ringers. Um, it's one of the first times I hung out with our friend Marissa um, nice. in a in a public in a in a uh, non work related setting. Great choice. And we came in pretty much in the middle. Yeah. It was my fault for blowing the share question. There was a share question that was bullshit because share was not in the episode, but they said she was in the episode. And there was a question about like what Academy Award winner. And I said mm. fucking Lily, Lily Tomlin, like a stupid person. <laughs> She's never won an Oscar. She's been nominated a bunch of times, I think. Well, we all we all have our issues with with trivia contests yeah, and, and both clear- in how they're set up, what the questions are. Like I want to do well if you start asking me actors' names. From like the sixth tier of friends, like uh, that's stupid. Like that doesn't matter. That's like not I can't ask you like who, who did Paget Brewster play on uh, on Friends? Well, she played, she played, she played. Uh, oh God, I'm gonna blank on her name, but the uh, but the Joey's love interest who then fell for Chandler and drove those two apart and put them in the box. Um, I don't remember her name. What was her name? Karen. I think Karen. so. No. I was just looking at her IMDb. Page. Is it? It could be wrong. Oh God, Kathy. Kathy. Yeah. It's Kathy. All right. Yeah, it was Kathy. 
Sorry, I was just writing something about Community Season 6, so I've had Paget Brewster on the brain for a little Fair. while. But yeah, I mean, it's... Speaking to of nostalgia. Your point, it's like the trivia stuff. It, on a night-by-night basis, it's a very much about... There's a lot of subjective kind of uh, rule structures or game structures or anything that can come into play and fuck you up. But when it comes to just X-Files knowledge, there's just nobody out there. So, to beat oh. Liz. Well, that's very nice of you to say. I have... Doc, I have you know actual evidence of that not being true, but no, I disagree. <laughs> it was that a rigged contest. It, it really was. They should not have. Cher should not have been the answer to that question. Yeah, Cher was not in the episode. Yeah, her music appeared in the episode, but she was not in it. That's another thing. Like, there's a lot of people who will make those. This is going off on a weird tangent. I will stop now. <laughs> but some of the people who hold those contests are not prepared for like the people who are coming to play in the game. It's like oh, you yeah. need to phrase your questions properly. Mm-hmm. You need to understand exactly what you're asking. And obviously, you need to have your facts straight. So. Yeah. yeah. It was a disappointing night. But point is, I feel like, I mean, the thing, the thing that I'm kind of hitting right now is, as we record this, there are two more episodes of The X-Files left that I have not seen. They could be the last two episodes of The X-Files ever, mm-hmm. um, which is a little daunting. And I have never shied away, if, if you've read my reviews, from calling out, like, this is a bad episode of television, this is badly written, et cetera. Um, but I do always still try to come at it with the fact from the fa- from the point of view of if I'm watching this because I want it I, I I'm watching this and I'm still reviewing it because it still matters to me and I think part of wanting to have this discussion with you is just kind of like sorting out for myself like how much of that is just like my latent nostalgia for the show based on years of loving it versus you know acknowledging that you know I have a you know, acknowledging the fact that it is also still part of our culture and thus worthy of discussion in this context. Oh, yeah, well, that's and that's that's the thing. To me, it all comes down to kind of, um, it all comes down to personal engagement. And when I talk about it being dangerous, I'm talking about on a broader level where a lot of people, um, they're going to choose to watch the X Files instead of Atlanta. Let's say. Right. They're going to be like, I've got two things in my DVR right now. I I remember this show. I've been watching it for so long. I'm not going to stop now. It's going to keep going. I, I want to find out what happens to Scully. Um, so they just keep watching that, and they don't watch Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And that's not who you are, and that's not who every X-Files fan is. It's not, I imagine, who a lot of them are. A lot of them are probably just really big TV fans who make the time to watch everything. So they can put it into context and they know what they're doing and like that's fine like that's okay like it's not to just say this thing should not exist um it's just a matter of of sacrificing one for the other like i am i don't think that fox gave up the best television show of the year to put the x-files on instead but the more we see with these things the more i worry it's going to turn into like the film studios where all they do are tentpole movies. All they do are franchises. All they do are superhero movies. Like, if that's all they're putting out, and then that's all that most of the world has access to or has readily available access to and, and is most aware of, and that's what they end up engaging with, mm-hmm. that's not good for us. So I don't want that to happen to TV. Like, I don't want 60% of the options out there to be revivals. Where mm-hmm. It's like, well, we kind of already watched this. We're, we've, we're done with this now but we're going to just keep going with it because we can't stop. That's a totally fair point. And I mean, like, it is taking a slot, and on Fox there's precious few of those, so. Yeah, and I mean, Fox still put out 
They put out plenty. Like they're putting out, they put out shots fired. You know, that was a pretty ambitious, yeah. challenging attempt, uh, especially for broadcast. Um, they've got a lot of comedies that I really enjoy. Uh, so no, I mean it's not. It hasn't reached the like the saturation point yet where it's it's truly fucking things up. Um, but it very well could. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, CBS order those like four four of God knows how many pilots this year are yeah. just revivals, and then we'll see what actually ends up on the air. But it's just you know, be wary, be be ready to try new things, be yeah. ready to be challenged. I think that's the biggest the biggest message of them all, and that's why you shouldn't eat your member berries. Yeah. Remember Chewbacca. Remember Star Wars. I was feeling like you weren't fully doing the voice. I can't really. I, I don't think I can do any of the South Park voices. I can't do justice to them. I, I, I love them so much. Aw. So. Um. Speaking of things you love, Ben, what was the best thing you watched last week? Oh, great question, Liz. Um. Not. A lot. Um. Actually, no. I'll be honest. The best thing I watched last week, Liz, was This Is Us. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, there's there's probably a few things that are better. Like, technically, I watched Atlanta, but I'd already seen it, so I got whatever. Yeah. The best new thing I watched was this week's episode of This Is Us. And it just reminded me that, you know, when this show isn't trying to make something out of nothing it can be really good like this this episode is all about randall's uh foster kid well first off it's randall and not other people well no exactly like this is part of randall's story and just about everything in randall's story is great like if it was just randall's story it would be one grade up maybe two grades up probably Mm -hmm. two grades up consistently right uh like on par uh, overall, but yeah, this week's up. It's this. It was the penultimate episode. The finale is on Tuesday. The finale is going to be God knows what the fuck happens with fucking future Jack and all this other stupid shit we don't care about. Um, but this one was a really simple, beautiful story about a, a, a child who was going through the system and. She was just trying to do the right thing, but she was trying to learn to trust people, and she had all these different parents and all these different beds and all this different stuff, and it's not going to, you know, like these super dark places that a lot of premium cable will go, but it didn't have to. Like, you understood what she was going through and and who these characters were, and I didn't love the ending. It was a little predictable, Mm -hmm. but there are just so many beautiful moments within it for this child actress whose name I don't know, who's very good, Um, and also, obviously, Randall, and... I mean, yeah, it, it was it was good. Like, it was one of those things where I sat there. I was like, okay, I get what people are are waiting for, right. if not thinking they get every week. But this is just the one. It was like Memphis last year. Memphis was a very good singular episode of television. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't the best episode of television of the year. Probably wasn't top 20. I don't think it made our list. Um, but it, it's very good, and that's – great and i hope they do more of that and i hope now that jack's death is behind us and they're really leaning into the storyline that season three will keep leaning into randall but should we add uh should we add this episode to our currently running doc about potentially best episodes of the year i mean we can i I don't think it'll make the cut it's just one of those things where we're doing a half year version so even then okay but 
I mean, April's coming, much yeah, like winter. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, no. Well, uh, yeah. It's it is like winter. April is like winter because you get really freaked out by the cold. You don't like it. <laughs> And you get really freaked out by all these shows coming out in April. And you, I mean, you like a lot of the shows. I get freaked out. I just get mad. You get very angry. You get upset. And I love winter. And I love April. (laughs) Yep. That is fair. So anyway. That is is a difference between us. That's just the one. Just the one. But uh, Liz, what was the best thing you watched last week? Um, So I finally did this thing that I've been meaning to do for a little while, which is finish Community Season 6. Um, which is available on Hulu, um, and I wrote a whole bunch of words about it that hopefully will get published at some point soon. Whole bunch of words. Whole bunch of words. The Liz Shannon Miller story. Um, <laughs> but that was it. Was I feel like you know the fact that that sh- the whole point of the piece I wrote was basically like who Yahoo was stupid, or Yahoo was a bad choice for distributing the show. It should have gone to Hulu. Um, I mean Yahoo about outbid them essentially. Um, but if it had gone to Hulu, I feel like there's a real chance that that show could have had a, sec- a seventh season. Like, you know, Dan Harmon's not the most reliable of creators, but Hulu was definitely in a place to support a show like that. Hulu was already where that show's audience really discovered it. And it really is, in retrospect, just kind of silly that it never happened. Yeah. Um, and, and that finally Hulu has 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 brought the show, has united the show in its entirety. Um, but... Yeah, it's a, it's a funny one. Um, and I also hope, by the way, I also hope really, by the way, that the actual answer to this question is Jessica Jones. Uh, as we record this, we are hours away from, hours away from it, the full season premiere. And um, so I'll be taking a little nappy nap and then doing a little watchy watch. Um, and by a little watchy watch, I mean I've got eight episodes to watch because they only gave us five because they're jerks. Here's open for... 44 minute episodes liz that's not gonna happen i hate marvel so much i hate him so much oh good come to the dark side no no i don't Liz. no i feel your anger (laughs) let it consume you this is a creepy look for you i don't know how i feel about it i love it (laughs) um uh ben what's the next thing you're looking forward to Uh, i'm looking forward to a Netflix series uh, what? called Wild Wild Country. Oh, yeah. I'm glad um, you mentioned this one. Yeah, I, I had the chance to watch this at Sundance where it made its premiere. Uh, and the wonderful Hollywood Reporter critic Dan Feinberg, TCA president Dan Feinberg, our fearless leader, uh, invited, like, tried, made a, made a good pitch for it. Netflix made a good pitch for it. I could not spare the six and a half hours <laughs> to sit in the theater and do it. And God bless Dan. He did it. And uh, he's pretty into the show. And I think that's the only review out there of it right now. Uh, we've got some screeners, so I'm excited to dig in. But point being, this is a, uh, I think it's six hours. I'm pretty sure it is yeah, six, six hours. hours. Um, it's a documentary. It's it's. I don't know a ton about it, even though I've read the review. I just kind of remember really glaring bits and pieces that make it interesting. But it's basically about this quote-unquote cult leader who uh, moved into, I think it's a, a, a some land in Oregon, and he invited a lot of people, uh, like members, and, and recruited a lot of members, and they showed up, and there was a lot of free love and other 60s, 70s era, crazy, hippie, nutso stuff. Mm-hmm. Not to dismiss some of the wonderful hippie, nutso stuff that was out there, but this was culty, hippie, nutso stuff. Uh, and anyway, they got into a pretty big fight with the existing community, uh, a.k.a. their neighbors uh, that were living there. And this documentary um, kind of examines 
this crazy wild story um, about all of this. And it comes from directors Champlin and McLean Way, who are brothers who made The Battered, Bas- Battered Bastards of Baseball, which is um, a documentary about semi-professional baseball leagues, which is also very, very good. Um, so I like those two guys. I like this subject. Obviously, cults are something I'm interested in. Uh, hopefully never to be part of one, but... You yeah. say that now. I know. I say hopefully never. That is 100% true right now. You are but currently... No, you are, in fact, not currently in a cult. No, you don't know, but I don't think I am. Um, but yeah, so that comes out, I think, the Friday as you're listening to this. So we'll have a review up, uh, and I think there'll be many more reviews and discussions about it. No, I'm, so. I, I, I nearly put it down as my next thing as well. Like, I'm excited to check it out. It's because of the two wilds in the name. It's not just wild country. It's wild, wild country. I, there was a time when I was calling it Wild Wild West in the preparation for... And then I... It turns out... By the way, it turns out that the, the, the Will Smith and Kevin Klein film Wild Wild West is also on Netflix. Jesus so that Christ. led to some confusion. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying you should watch it. I'm not supporting that film. I'm just very worried that someone... Is someone else is going to make that mistake? for Wild Wild Country. And as they're typing, they'll see Wild Wild West. They'll be like... Oh, I remember seeing this as a kid. It was terrible. I'm going to relive this because of nostalgia. And then... Full circle. Anyway, Liz, what are you looking forward to, though? Uh, when they first... Oh, I, I, miss, I miss my friend, my friend High Maintenance. My favorite little HBO comedy, and I need to go back and... I need... It's got... I've watched the first five episodes. I watched the first five episodes back when they gave out screeners at the beginning of Jan- in January. Um, but there have been more episodes since then, and the finale is coming up in a couple weeks, and um, I want to watch more of it because I love it. It's so sweet, and it makes me so happy. And I'm not saying that I'm, I'm not a pot person. I'm not really into the marijuana, so I I just really love the way it approaches. So she says. Uh, you, I would be honest. Lifelong California resident Liz Shannon Miller. <laughs> I have been to Colorado recently. Um, you don't need to. I know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. She only t- travels to states that are pot legal, but she does not consume. Yes. Uh, she did not inhale. I did not inhale. There, that's a timely reference. Nostalgia. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's a show. I've, I, I need to watch the, the episodes that have aired. I need, I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of the season um, because I find it to be such a charming human show. And people who, no one, if you don't watch it, I feel sad for you because it will make you happy. Renewed for season three. Renewed for season three, five. which is actually kind of crazy to me because I feel like the, the the season two description, season two finale description made it kind of sound like that could be a series finale. And so I'm looking forward to learning more about it. Yeah. Uh, so you'll be able to read all about that and more on IndieWire.com where you'll find news, reviews, interviews, features, all the stuff you like. Make sure to listen to all the IndieWire podcasts, including the Turn It On podcast with our own Michael Schneider. Uh, I know he's got some pretty stellar guests coming up. Um, the one that started it all, Screen Talk with Eric Cohn and Ann Thompson. Uh, the Oscars have ended, but uh, Eric Cohn did attend the ceremony, so I'm sure there's some interesting discussions going on uh, post-Oscars. Congratulations, Shape of Water. Uh, and then, I mean, obviously, guys, if you haven't started yet, uh, the screen, the, the Filmmaker Toolkit podcast, I mean, <laughs> I don't even... It's great. It's perfect. Um it's the only podcast you need to listen to, including the one you're already listening to right now. Sorry, Liz. It's okay. Um, I'm used to it. You should just guest on that podcast, and then it would be the no one could handle the perfection, and they wouldn't have to deal with me. Um, but yeah, make sure to listen to the one, the only, the new proud papa, Chris O'Fault. Yeah, that's right. He's a father of daughters now. 
Yes. Um, good for him. Good for her. And yeah, good lucky her. Exactly. Yes. And you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. You can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet. That's with an I and then an E. Correct. Uh, we will be back next week. Thank you guys so much for listening, as always. And also, as always, keep watching television. Preferably new television. Preferably new. Not. Not old. You can finish the X-Files. I, I'm allowed to finish the X-Files. Well, no one could stop you. (laughs) Yeah, that's true.